Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I'm going to be joined by Trent McIntyre, and he's going to be chatting all about how to fire up your brain. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Studman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years combined experience, they're leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, dysautonomia, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Also, don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Trent McIntyre, and for more than two decades, Trent has been helping people gain back their mobility, a story he knows well. Born with a mild form of cerebral palsy, Trent experienced pain and stiffness every day from the time he was a child. However, Trent's creative problem-solving abilities kicked into transforming his movement capabilities to participate in his love for sports. What Trent discovered to repair his own body became the foundation for what his his life's work would be. He attended Western Michigan University, where he received a BFA in dance, requiring studies in movement science and training, Laban movement, analysis, Burton type fundamentals, kinesiology, and anatomy. Trent pursued a career as a professional dancer, where he performed on stages throughout the country and abroad. As a movement professional, Trent saw a path where he could help others who had movement limitations. He opened up his studio as a way to work with clients and train other movement professionals in the work that he had been practicing to repair his own limitations. For more than 20 years, Trent has taught his transformational neuromovement methods and tools to thousands of clients and movement professionals across the globe. Welcome to the podcast, Trent. I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. 
your bio is just beautiful, and I'm so excited to jump into a conversation with you today. Um, but maybe let's just first start with your your own background. Um, you were born with a form of cerebral palsy, and maybe for, for any listeners that might not be very familiar with that, um, maybe just even identifying what that means. Yeah, I actually... I, I just don't like the name because it makes it hard for people to understand what mm-hmm. it really is. And so um, it's, you know, being on this show is, is like um, so important and emotional for me because cerebral palsy is a brain injury. I had a brain injury at birth and that brain injury informed how my, my body developed and the compensations that were created as a result of having that injury at birth. Yeah, and, you know, cerebral palsy can take on so many different forms, Um, you know, and I think I grew up with um, a kid in high school, well, I guess elementary through high school, but he had cerebral palsy, and a lot of people just didn't understand it. You know, he actually had to use a walker. He had a lot of mobility issues, Um, but, you know, a lot, it's just not understood, and the fact that you know, it is. It's a brain injury. Um, I think the average person doesn't even actually realize that. So um, really great awareness yeah. that you're bringing here. Well, and the other thing to think about is that a lot of people don't understand that it's uh, not a condition that degenerates. You know, once, like, so I had a, a mild form, and there's different classifications. So mine would be uh, like a class one, where if you were to look at me, you maybe wouldn't be able to tell that I was having side effects from being born with a brain injury. Whereas if you see somebody that has a walker or they're in a wheelchair, they might be like a class three or higher. And so there's an obvious, um, you know, gap Mm -hmm. in their abilities that you see. And so there are actually a lot of people that have a class one that, A, don't even know it, and that don't realize what they're experiencing is from having that mild brain injury at birth. And, you know, I think the important thing is that, um, you know, people don't always know how to interact with someone when they see a walker or a wheelchair. And I think bringing awareness to the topic is really important so people can have better conversations and feel like they can ask good questions and, you know, not have to be afraid or make assumptions. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Trent, you know, I, I find it just absolutely fascinating that you gravitated towards professional dance. Um, tell us a little bit of, of how how that came to be your passion. Yeah, well, what's, what's really interesting is that actually um, I didn't know that I had, uh, that I was born with cerebral palsy. That wasn't something that was brought to my attention. And so, um, I was experiencing, of course, all the side effects and compensations that I had developed in my body and all the stiffness and pain that you were talking about in my bio. Um, but when uh, I've always been an athlete, even with my limited abilities when I was younger, um, I played basketball and uh, I like to cycle. And I would basically just learn how to compensate to play the sport. Well, when, when I got into dance, it was something that felt good in my body because there's so much mobility work. There's so much stretching Mm -hmm. and there's so much strengthening that it actually for a very long time supported my recovery without realizing it because I didn't know, right? So it was something that just felt really good. And because it appealed to the athlete, my inner athlete, it was like a one-two punch that just really worked for me. 
Um, and I, I grew up in a, a really tiny town of no more than 300 people. And I really wanted out of that small community. And I was the first in my family to graduate from a four-year college. And that was a big deal. And, and being able to, to have this uh, dance career be uh, a pathway out is really what made me want to keep pursuing it. And so I, I went to college, I got a scholarship, and, um, you know, I was a couple of years into my, my degree, and then I woke up one morning, and after having a very difficult rehearsal week, and could barely walk. I could barely walk to the shower. I was, had so much pain and inflammation from my knees down that I just hobbled at the shower to get hot water on it to try to mobilize a little bit. And... I thought this is really a problem like this, this, this feels bigger than just, you know, being a sore athlete in the morning. This is, this might prevent me from being able to pursue my professional career, even maybe finish my degree. And that's actually about that time was when it was, uh, we were on holiday break and I went home and I was just kind of complaining to my mom. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like I, I can't walk in the morning. Like there's so much pain and you just touch it and it hurts and, and I just don't get it. And I don't know what, what could be possibly going on. And my mom looked at me and she said, well, Trent, that's because you were born with cerebral palsy. And I was 19 when I found out wow. that this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I was like, you know, first I was really mad, you know, because I was right. like, you know, I would have I liked to know. But truly, in hindsight, it was a gift not to know because I didn't have a label. I didn't have mm-hmm. any expectations put on me or taken away from me because of it. And it didn't stop me. It just really turned it, turned into what would become, you know, 25 years of helping people recover their own movement abilities <laughs> and biohacking the brain. And so at, at that point, I was like a little like taken aback, but also without resources to do anything about it. And so I relied heavily on um, – my, my education at the university where I had extensive movement therapy training and even Pilates and weight training and cardio and kinesiology, all of this stuff. And I just decided to try to problem solve it myself. And I came up with a series of exercises and they'd make it worse. Sometimes they'd make it better. And I would just journal like the process and figure out what was really helping me and what was kind of sticking and, and, and you know, contributing to my overall movement ability and decrease in pain. And I rehabbed my own injury. And, you know, so that was the start of my work, but, you know, it was, it was just for me at first. Yeah. I mean, gosh, to not know until, what did you say? You were 19? Um, 19. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I understand like they're probably trying to just protect you and, like not put any limitations on you. Um, and I can understand that. And, and it's exactly what happened. You went at football and all your other sports with, you know, without any mental limitations. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, wow, that's a whammy I didn't see coming. Right. When you're 19. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it was just, um, you know, my, my mom's like, do you remember when you were three? And I was like, well, not not really. And she's like, well, the doctors put casts on your legs. Um, and then I remembered. I was like, oh, I do remember having casts on my legs. And 
Um, the only solution that they, that they attempted was to uh, force my heels down to the ground because I had zero ankle mobility. Um, and so I learned to walk on the balls of my feet. And with no ankle mobility, the doctors just forced the heel down in a cast to create that mobility in the ankle and the Achilles tendon. And I remembered that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. And there was no surgery. There was nothing else. There's no other intervention. And I think that in probably my mom's mind and certainly the doctor's mind, that, I was, that was taken care of. Like, it, it worked. I could put my heels down. Problem solved, essentially. But that was just a small part of my limitation in my body. You know, that was just – it certainly – solved the a bit much much bigger problem but i think it was just like yeah problem solved and it really was nothing to discuss after that even though there mm-hmm. was <laughs> right and like you know and back then we didn't understand at all i mean we're only just starting to understand how like your body remembers the trauma and, yeah, and so right. your body remembered all that trauma of the casts and, and enforcing your heels down. Um, and just cause it was somewhat resolved, your body still holds that. And so you were probably even sensing it without even understanding what you were sensing. Um, sure. So yeah, it's, you know, we didn't even, <laughs> that wasn't even on our radar, you know, that many years ago. Um, yep. So so once you discovered movement and you, how you were able to heal your own injuries um, and, you know, this has led you down the path of helping others. Um, and, and you said a word earlier, biohacking. Um, I love that word. It's kind of a buzzword, I guess, but um, I think it's still a pretty cool word. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about what you have discovered um, to be helpful for other people with any sort of movement limitations. I, I know for brain injury, um, for me, I had a lot of physical um, injury with my accident. I like dislocated my sternum and tore all sorts of muscles and had whiplash. Um, but not everybody with a brain injury has physical injuries, right? But yet, Right. They might still have movement limitations because it's, the brain is essentially what controls all of your movement. Um, so what are some of the strategies you've discovered in helping people? Yeah, you know, I, I'll just I want to just tell a, a short story that helps frame this because it was it was me taking what worked on me and applying it to other people. Basically, my clients became my guinea pigs. And then there started <laughs> to be um, published books about the brain and neuroplasticity and mm-hmm. sensory training. And, and I was like, oh, I, I probably should read these. These are probably really good for what I'm doing. And then I'm reading these books, and I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm like, this is – I didn't have the language. I didn't have the vocabulary to, to describe the process and the problem-solving approach that I have. But this book is describing – how I'm helping to reinforce healthy patterns that stick and you just so that you have a better pattern instead of the old pattern that isn't serving you. And it just it really just lit my, lit my own brain on fire with, Hey, I've, I'm really onto something here because I'm seeing results with my clients. And now research and publications are showing that the approach that I'm taking is actually how we're designed to, to move and build patterns and make corrections and get improvements. So that, that became, um, a way for me to start looking at having what I call a whole brain approach. 
And the whole brain approach is looking at um, three main inputs to our brain. And if you understand that the brain has these three main inputs with your, your quality of movement and how your brain performs, then it makes a huge difference on how you actually approach solving whatever the issue is. And so those three pieces are proprioception, which is a, a big word that just means basically, mm-hmm. you know, it's your, your nerve endings, your muscles, your joints, like the, the tissues that you can see and move and touch in your body. And then you have your visual system, so your eyes. And then you have your vestibular system, which is super important, and that's your inner ear, which determines your balance. So when you take the proprioception, the visual, and the vestibular, that's, those three input systems become a powerful way to make changes and, and have this whole brain approach. Yeah, and, you know, what's, what's amazing yet frustrating is how, like, traditional medicine still doesn't fully understand these three systems. And so many people with brain injury, concussion, they, you know, the first place you typically go is your general practitioner, right? Like that's usually your first, first place, maybe the ER, depending on, on your injury. Um, but your GP is usually going to just tell you, you know, give it time. <laughs> and then you might eventually be sent to the neurologist. And even at the neurologist level, a lot of them still don't grasp all of this and don't understand how to help us. It's Especially those of us, like, because I'm speaking from my own experience here, especially those of us who are deemed mild. Um, I could walk, I could talk, I could function. You're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're a little more severe in the spectrum, they usually find some sort of resources for you. But for me, it wasn't until almost three years into my recovery that I found, I found functional neurology and that's exactly what they do is they, they take these three systems and figure out what's going on and how to help you. And I'm so happy to see, you know, there, there's plenty of amazing providers out there like yourself who are helping people. And I'm just, it just makes me so happy to see that this, that this information isn't new. Like we've understood this for decades um, but why it's not transitioning into mainstream, like your traditional healthcare system, um, I just don't understand why. Um, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I do. I you know, actually spend a great deal of, of my time um, um, helping Pilates teachers because Pilates teachers actually mm. are masters mm-hmm. at the proprioception category. Yep. They're exceptional at the assessment and programming for, the, for a particular uh, condition and creating good outcomes in that proprioception category. And I spent a, lot, a great deal of time um, supporting Pilates teachers and bringing in that whole brain approach and applying what the skills they have in the visual and the vestibular systems. And so what, what I call our clients uh, that we see and that my colleagues see fall into what I call the movement gap, where they're done with the medical system, they're done with their PT or their OT or whatever neurologist they're seeing, but they, they haven't quite gotten their quality of life back and they can't return to activities that they want to do and they're in this gap and that's really where we step in that's where where my work supports those people because you know you want to have a resource that can can fill in this really big gap because think about it like if you if you like say 10 years ago you have a brain injury and 
you're done with after a few weeks or a couple months with your therapies and but you still can't do an activity that supports your mental health and physical well-being and you know functioning around the house basic things that you need uh you need you need support and so yeah for me i'm just i'm just super passionate about this this space where pilates teachers have already got all this incredible uh passion for helping people recover that when you help them understand um, the power of uh, creating strong and mobile visual system and a strong and mobile vestibular system that it just amplifies their work. And, and so for me also, you know, I, I'm, I'm really like a, an eight-year-old at heart, and I want everything to be fun. <laughs> so I, what yeah. I have to do is take this work that can be very serious and make it a game. And if we can make it a game, that's really a huge – uh, advantage with the brain because the brain loves fun, as you know. So, you know, if you can make something fun, the brain will pay attention and it will stay curious. And so in an environment where, you know, clients might be coming in with a very serious uh, condition and maybe not very hopeful of recovery, and you can ha- start to help them have fun while they're recovering, you actually get more momentum and they enjoy the process because a lot of the therapies aren't enjoyable, unfortunately for a traditional situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just so remarkable to see the results when you tap into those three systems, like you mentioned, um, because I, I hear so many people after brain injury, they talk about how they constantly feel dizzy or, or like, like kind of like they're floating or, um, and the balance issues, right? Like they're very off balance and it's, it's all so connected. Those three systems work intricately with each other to basically keep you from falling down every day. Right. And I know for me, I kept being told, or I kept telling the doctors, I think my dizziness is coming from my eyes and they're like, Oh no, Mm -hmm. that's, that's not a thing. Um, and, oh, and, you know, geez. once I learned that that was 100% what was happening, it's like, how right, can you right. say these things? That was from a neurologist. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so it's so frustrating as a survivor to not – it's hard to navigate the medical system in general, right? Like insurance puts a whole lot of burden on us, um, which is a whole other, you know, topic. Um but it's so hard to navigate in the first place. And then if you're not getting referred to the right places, like you don't even know that they exist, right? How would yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so with that said, do you work locally with any of your clinics or hospitals in trying to get them to refer people to you for help? Yeah. So the our, our referrals are, like the main the main way that we see clients and that really comes down to um educating your local community and letting them know that that's the work that you do so that's something that that i've done for a long time i'll even i'll even go into an office or a clinic or a pt clinic and do like a lunch and learn and bring lunch and and then take them through some of the games that i use and help them understand how they can use me as a resource because they're going to be, their patients are going to stop seeing them very soon. They only have them for a few weeks or a couple months or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And 
So this, is, this isn't about them seeing me instead of seeing them. It's helping them understand how to be a part of the, the patient or the client's um, health team. And, and that's how I see it. So, you know, if I, if I, if I need a therapist, I want to know where I can send somebody that understands the work that I'm doing because then mm-hmm. we can provide better care for the patient and the client. And it's the same thing I teach, you know, the Pilates teachers that I work with is, is that really the, the future of, of recovery and care and therapeutics is filling in this movement gap. I believe that with my heart because after 25 years of doing this, that is where the biggest need lives. And that's where people are, are drowning the most. And so helping, helping other professionals make those connections in their community and better talk about the work that they do and express it in, in simple enough terms that people can understand it and go, yeah, you know what, that's exactly what I need, is really important. Because when you start talking about the brain, it can get complicated, you can get really heady and can get too deep too quickly. And it's important to be able to talk about these, these three pieces that make up that whole brain approach in a way that people can really grasp and, and see value and so they want to pursue it. Right. And a hundred percent, there has to be an, an integrative approach. You know, there's just, there's not just one person that can help you. It's, it's a team of people doing different things. And, um, you know, like um, you're going to need a movement specialist. You're going to need, um, a good therapist, right? Like, I mean, it's just such an integrative approach, but for whatever reason, um, we're just not really, that yet and and don't get me wrong I know that there's clinics and hospitals out there that are doing this um Mm -hmm. but there's not enough of them like it should be all of them should be a hundred percent participation right um yeah yeah I'm yeah yes I think I think one one of the ways to to help uh you know patients and clients is educating them that this is something that they can do that they can they can put a wellness team together. I do a lot of coaching on that. And so a client comes in and they have, they're having X, Y, and Z issues, and, and, and it could be a TBI. And it's like, okay, who's on your health team? And based on how they answer that question, I know where they need support. It's like, okay, so let's, let's you know, look at building out your health team. Because not only do I not see that I'm the only one that's going to be able to help you, I don't want to be the only one because I want other people's input and feedback mm-hmm. into your care so that I can be more effective with how I'm helping you. And I'll tell you that that's where, you know, the clients and patients really appreciate someone who's being an advocate for them because they don't know what they don't know. And so yeah. if you can advocate for them, you can help them understand what those missing pieces are so they can actually build out the health team that they didn't realize was possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such great info. Well, Trent, if anyone listening wants to, I believe you're still in Michigan, correct? Yeah, I'm Michigan-based, yes. Yeah. So anyone listening that would be interested in trying to connect with you, how can they best find you? Um, I suggest going to my website. It's fireupyourbrain.com, and you can reach me through the website. You can sign up for some free programs. I have a program called Ask Trent where um, I just I take questions um, based on the work that I do and where people need help and, you know, try to show up and support people the best I can. Um, and the, the, the thing is, is that I also help people find uh, professionals in their area. And if, you, if you're not in Michigan and you need support, there's a good chance that I will know somebody um, reasonably close to you and I can 
be, be my pleasure to help you find somebody that could help improve your health team. Mm, awesome. Well, Trent, we're just about out of time, but I would love to ask you, you know, just your, your final thoughts for our listener, your parting words of wisdom. I think, I think I want people to really just consider when you, when you are looking at recovering from a TBI that you have maybe more resources than you know and the more you can ask and the more conversations you can have around this whole brain approach, it will help reveal the people that can help you the most. So, you know, doing a little bit of research and understanding that, that approach can give you some language so that when you're looking for people to put on your team, you have, you have a little bit, more, um, little bit more resources to support those conversations so you know what to ask. You, you know, you, you create a there, there where you didn't know before and now you do so you can start having better conversations. And I think that's really important. Mm, Yeah. Thank you so much, Trent, for being here today and just sharing um, your story and and your brain. Um, Thank you so much for just being here today and speaking with our listeners. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. Find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. And you can find any previous episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes, or directly at facesoftbi.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zelmer. And also remember to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.